0: Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small batch artisan coffee using top tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, A new line of Catholic-themed coffees, available at www.grimbeancoffee.com forward slash redboxmedia. Experience coffee like never before.
1: Welcome to Tools to Ready the Journey, a conversation to help prepare and support young men for fatherhood.
0: Welcome everyone to this episode of Tools to Ready the Journey, A Father's Guide to a Faith-Filled Family. I'm Bill Snyder and I'm joined by Ray Haywood and we're glad that you have joined us once again for this podcast, for this conversation, and we hope that you are enjoying this conversation, but we hope that you're also journeying on your own journey through the book. Uh, Again, Tools to Ready the Journey, A Father's Guide to a Faith-Filled Family is a book. If you've stumbled upon episode five now we ask you to go back and listen to episodes one two three and four uh because it's important and each one builds on it uh so thank you so much for tuning in and thank you for intentionally joining us on this journey because we know that it's going to lead you to a deeper fatherhood a deeper relationship with god and your human family so we just really uh thank you so much for joining and of course we want you to connect with us Uh, via Instagram and Facebook and all of those things. It's TRJ Fathers Guide. That's all you have to search for um, on Facebook and Twitter. The website is also the same name, trjfathersguide.com. So if you head over there, all the information and how you can connect with us and purchase more books for your family and friends um, and whatnot is there. But we want you to know that we are intentionally journeying with you and having this conversation with you in mind so that you can deepen your relationships with your human family and of course with your heavenly father in heaven so uh ray welcome once again and thank you so much for being with me here brother on this journey it is uh, truly a pleasure once again
1: amen to that i so look forward to this time and fellowship with you bill
0: it is it's it's wonderful that each week uh you and i get to do this and uh i can't believe that we're a third of the way through our conversation you know every week i read a the chapter of this book, and I go, man, I'm getting one step closer to uh, to heaven, and I'm getting one step closer to the end of this book, and I can't believe we're a third of the way through it on chapter five here, discussing uh, that with Absolutely. you today.
1: <clears throat> well, chapter five is uh, owning your own faith. Um, it's something that's personal, very close to us. It's uh, a beautiful. Uh, contemplation, Uh, we're going to talk today about self-examination. That's probably the biggest takeaway from today's discussion is self-examination. But um, let's talk about the way that we start this chapter. We start with something I penned at the top. And uh, uh, so chapter five begins with a message on pride, humility, and wisdom. It presents itself as a challenge to the reader to recognize loss as an opportunity to grow and how pride is a dividing factor. It goes on to share that humility, which, as we spoke many times in the past, is the tool of the heart, acts as our professor, and that wisdom is our course. It's meant to share the awareness that bitterness is the lingering taste left behind when we choose not to grow in and through our challenges. Again, we're scratching at the message shared so many times before as we have journeyed to this point that good choices lead to good results. And that humility is needed whenever we are faced with life's challenges. So, in that message the takeaway is bitterness because we choose not to grow not to 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 understand the value of the challenges in life we take them as personal um uh attacks when really they're supposed to make us step forward and closer and 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 just share um in the lesson that we're supposed to take away so Bitterness. Uh, what's so bitterness is the choice that the person chooses to stay in when they don't learn. But I wanted to present to you happiness. You know, happiness is just as much a choice. And I'd like our listeners to understand that they get to choose to be happy in life. You know, good choices lead to good results. Bitterness is a you know, left behind when we don't get to choose to learn from our lessons. But most importantly, the takeaway is that happiness is a choice.
0: Yeah, happiness is a choice, but I will say this to people that I speak to um, in my ministry. I always say that happiness is impossible to have your entire life. And I I want young listeners to realize this because the world promises you happiness. The world in its worldly ways promises you happiness. God prom- promises you something deeper, which is joy. And I, I want you to think about that and really pause for a moment in, in your life, even if you have to pause this podcast, and really think about the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is something that the world offers, and I want you to think about it in in these terms. Have you been happy your entire life? The answer is no. So, it therefore lends itself to you cannot be happy the rest of your life. Happiness is tied to your emotions, and happiness is very much like you getting the latest iPhone and being happy about it. I was happy when I got my latest iPhone. Finally, that piece of junk, the iPhone 8 was gone and I had the new iPhone 11. But let me tell you what's going to happen in two more years. <laughs> when when I go and I now think that this iPhone is obsolete, I'm not going to be happy with the iPhone 11 anymore. Happiness is something that the world offers. Joy is something a lot deeper. Joy, Jesus actually uses a word for it in in the Greek, right? He uses a word kara, which is found in the Gospel of John, which I'll read here in a moment. But kara is translated as joy in English, but it has a deeper meaning. It means calm gladness. And so joy is something that when we are looking for a sustaining thing that carries us through as you mentioned it carries us through our life right when we when we press into the challenges and we move through them with faith in the lord you can't be bitter but you can have when you have joy right i want you to think about this jesus had perfect joy throughout his entire life. The man was joyful, but he wasn't always happy. And we can turn to the crucifixion. We can turn to the crucifixion and we can see that Jesus most likely was not happy suffering there on the cross. But he had joy because he knew what he was doing was redeeming all of mankind. Joy doesn't always have that fluffy feeling of happiness associated with it joy is something that is sustaining Kara means that calm gladness in the Greek chAra it's spelled but kara, and it means calm gladness and if you look at the model Jesus provides for us on the cross he actually mentions it in John in the in, in the Gospel of John he talks about it in in chapter 15. And I'll, and I'll begin with uh, verse 10, and I'm just going to read it quickly. It says, If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy might be in you, and your joy might be complete. This is my commandment. Love one another as I love you. No greater love than this. No one has greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. So look at this. If we do what Jesus commands us, we get to be called his friends. The way we do that, and what we get out of it, what we get out of the fidelity to his commandments what we get out of living in accord with god's will for us is joy right if you keep the father's commandments what do you get i have told you this so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete how do we do it we lay down our lives for one another and that is a difference between happiness and joy You can have joy in the midst of great suffering. You can have joy when you live for others, when you live for somebody outside of yourself. And it really does play into owning your own faith. You cannot live a life of joy, this type of joy that Jesus is talking about, if you do not grab your faith and own your own faith. It's that simple.
1: So my understanding of joy uh, is that we cannot go out and purchase it. We can't seek it out. There's only one way for us as human beings to share in true joy, and that's through love. We find true joy through love. Yes, there is definitely a difference between happiness and joy. Um, Happiness is an approach. Joy is a feeling. Um, uh, you mentioned uh, Jesus. Um, I'm going to say Jesus is joyful because he is filled with love. There's nothing else for Jesus to be. Notice I didn't say Jesus was. Our living God is. And the the joy that I get from my family, I understand the difference between my feelings of joy and my happiness i understand that through loving my family uh through their faults i still can find joy in the process because of the love that's exchanged in the growth so um as we go deeper into the message as you just brought us wow is there so much to um to, to take part in, in that conversation of joy and love. But let's, um, I, I so appreciate that you brought that up and we were able to, to have that back and forth to bring some awareness to that. It's wonderful. Let's take steps forward in um, owning our own faith now. So um, as cradle Catholics, we are born into our faith. Our parents, especially our fathers, are meant to hand it on to us. In appropriate measure to our level of understanding, as our Heavenly Father has laid it out for us all. As we grow through our formative years, we attend Catholic school or faith formation, and we learn about faith as we would math and science. You're exactly
0: right, Ray. You know, when you begin to look at studying your faith in a grade school or in a... Religious Ed program. I I have the perspective of both teaching it and also going to a grade uh, grade school that was Catholic. And as you look at this from that perspective, it's it can be academic. There are academic parts of our faith where we have to devote time and study to learning the principles and uh, precepts and dogmas and doctrines of what we believe as Catholics. And so, therefore, at a young age when that's instilled. It can be kind of dry, it can be kind of uh, not all present with the Holy Spirit, because we're learning it from an academic standpoint. But I but I would say that the Holy Spirit is present in a deeper way, and um, a more subtle way working in our subconscious, right? He's, he's doing
1: that. Absolutely. As you're you're sharing, something more is happening at this time in our lives. We are given the graces shared in the sacraments that we prepare for and celebrate in. Our foundation of faith is being instilled within us, preparing us for safe passage through our physical lives. Our morality is formed within our will. Our moral compass is now beginning to point us north as we are challenged with moral concepts like accountability and choices. These experiences mold virtue and moral posture into our will, which promotes a lifelong capacity for making good decisions. The best part about what we just shared is that this all happens whether we have intentional or unintentional parents graces of the sacraments instilled by our Heavenly Father are individually owned. This is by His design. In the sacraments of baptism and confirmation, we receive indelible marks on our soul, making us and marking us as belonging to God. This truth brings us in union with Him. This provides us with an inherent ability to own our faith and not just to experience it. What do you think about what was just shared?
0: I think that it's spot on because God's grace works through whether we are unintentional or intentional about it, as you just mentioned, Ray. So I think when you you look at what was happening in our souls at that young age, having the ability to learn these truths and then have the holy spirit give us his supernatural grace whether we are unintentional or we are intentional that foundation that rock has been provided to us um, so that we're not building that house on sand the rest of our lives even if There are storms of unintentionality, or there's storms uh, in in our in our upbringing, you know. And there's lots of them, right? I mean, we can point out a lot of the different storms that are in people's lives, uh, you know, broken homes, divorce. I mean, we can go through all of that, and we did kind of already touch on that in previous episodes, so we don't really have to go into all that. But the idea is that when that foundation is provided, the Holy Spirit has done something that indelible mark, as you mentioned, in our souls that is going to make the difference when we decide ourselves to own our faith and be intentional
1: about it. We are so well prepared. But uh, as you're sharing, as we grow and experience the world around us, our faith is challenged. And as we both know, especially our Catholic faith. Doubt provoking facts are cast out before us as stumbling blocks almost daily i have a few that i could share but do you have some stumbling blocks that you could share with us still
0: yeah you know um for for me uh, you know there's lots of stumbling blocks um I, i think one of the the biggest challenges in in my life that that i overcame was uh, in, in my faith, my 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 faith and my um, physical condition is often tied together. I don't, I haven't mentioned this before, but I'm a survivor of three open heart surgeries and a stroke. Um, so a lot of my faith walk with Jesus in my own personal faith has been overcoming a lot of the physical struggles that I have had. And so uh, I'll tell you, Ray, when I was in you know grade school. I had to learn how to do different things, um, in a different way. I, I had to learn things, learn how to do things in a different way, is what I should say. So, um, from tying my shoes to riding a bike to swimming, uh, to all of these things, I. I I had to learn a different way, and. They were like little stumbling blocks that were thrown in front of me because I, you know, I I had to learn how to do it differently. And they were very public in some things. I remember going to the swimming pool when I was in um, like maybe seventh or eighth grade. I I, I wasn't able to jump in the deep end in like eighth grade. You know, I mean, you're little, little kids younger than me were hopping in the deep end swimming, right? And so how was I? I i desired that in my life i desired to be able to be with my friends and be able to do that but i was really scared you know physically and and, and emotionally like i'm going to drown here right but, but what did i do what was what was the thing that pressed me through that how did i get through that stumbling block in my in my faith walk i mean it, it was clearly tied to my faith uh, because because I asked my my dad we were at this we were at the YMCA at the swim pool I asked my dad I said dad I want to learn how to do it and I'm getting these looks from all these little kindergartners jumping in the pool and my dad goes out into the deep water and he's treading water and he and he says jump in the water I'll catch you right so he so I jump into the water and I'm, and I'm looking at him right before I do that. I'm like, Daddy, you're going to catch me, right? You're going to catch me. You're going to catch me. Please <laughs> catch me. Right? I love
1: it. I and, love
0: it. And, and what happens? He, he, he grabs me and he, and, he, and he pulls me up out of the water and he shows me how to float and how to swim and how to get over to the side of the pool. And the world is looking at me like I'm crazy. The world is looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm, you know, 12 or 13 years old. I should be able to do this. Right? And when you think about it, that was like 20 years ago that that was going on in my life. Yeah. But, you know, that stumbling block, I overcame it. You know, I overcame that stumbling block through what? Through asking the father, asking my dad, dad, help me. I need it. And then through the faith of jumping in the water, I had to. I had to jump. You have to move. You know, when to overcome stumbling blocks, you have to move. You can't. You just wait there. You know, in front of the roadblock, you can't wait there in front of the roadblock and expect the roadblock to move itself. You have to jump at some point. So, um, it gave me confidence and faith to know that when i when i have to jump in my faith life when i see something that goes on in my life ray you know where where i have a challenge in my faith i know that i got to attack it i know that i have to jump and i know that my father is going to be there to catch me on the other end of it so that's you know a stumbling block physically that i might have had but it also relates into my faith because it gave me a model for my faith
1: well let me just comment on that um Brother Bill, you are in the deep end now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're darn right I am.
1: (laughs) Wonderful. So wonderful that you're in the deep end with me. Um, Some of the challenges that I have are really not my own anymore. They're challenges in front of my family because I was able through, you know, um, self-examination and wisdom brings me to a place where I, I can face and decipher the narrative. I can understand situational truth, but I see these stumbling blocks in front of the family that I'm held accountable for to lead. So my intent is within helping them to decipher the narrative and to to, uh, identify the stumbling blocks. Uh, One of the things that I would like to bring up that's mentioned in the book is how the um, world is singing and sowing into the hearts of our daughters that they no longer need a prince this is a narrative that each father especially of daughters needs to face well and we need to rise to the challenge and put pl- place uh intent within sharing uh what traditional roles look like the last chapter that we discussed um give that young soul the ability of growing and nurturing within God's will for her. And then as she faces life through her own personal experiences, those types of decisions can be met and she could work through them. Then I'm not going to get so deep, but it is something that I felt you and I needed to at least touch on. And, um, and I hope I did that well, but, um, <clears throat> Uh, the stumbling blocks. This is where we have to challenge ourselves within owning the tool of the heart, which is humility. We need to compose ourselves and not become part of the worldly narrative. As I have said many times before, in many instances, most of our answers are simple ones if we look past the chaotic worldly view. The simple answer is we have in man... Or do we have faith in God to understand how to own our own faith? We must first place it where it belongs in God only after humbly coming to this place in resolve. Can we begin to own our own faith? And with that being shared, Bill, I'd really like for you to share, um, examples of how you own your own faith.
0: Yeah. So, you know, um, I, I was really blessed, I guess, uh, to have an opportunity to experience my faith with others that led to owning my own faith. Um, I had a experience when I was in high school. First of all, I was involved in an amazing youth group. and my My mom and Dad uh, really encouraged me to attend the youth group. Uh, they were I didn't need much prodding, but it was really a wonderful thing for me to be involved in. And as I began to go every single Sunday night to mass and to this youth group, we had back in my home in uh, Pennsylvania, In Philadelphia, um, I was able to encounter the love of Jesus through my fellow peers, which is very important. And it became a desire for me to continue wanting to grow and learn. And I wasn't, you know, I was in a public high school, so I was able to say, I I choose this for myself. I want to go. I want to explore. I want to know more about it. But there was one singular moment, I think, in my faith life um, where I was able to go to a youth conference. Uh, there's there's a, tons of them now around the country. They're, they're called the Steubenville uh, Conferences. But back in um, high school, uh, when, I, when I was in high school in 2001, a sophomore in, in high school, uh, I experienced going on this conference. And it was in Attleboro, Massachusetts, so it was like an eight-hour bus ride up and back. And we took the bus there, and I remember thinking, you know, this is that first moment that I'm going to be able to be away from my folks for an extended period of time talking about my faith with others. And I entered into that experience that that weekend conference experience with a truly open heart. And I left that weekend knowing that Jesus was working and real and alive. And so I, because I entered in with that open mind and that open heart, and I made that decision for myself to learn and to know about it. I think that's a big piece of it, right? I mean, our, our parents and that foundation that we talked about earlier is is a big piece of, of our faith life. But at some point, you have to say to yourself, I'm going to explore this on my own. I'm going to enter into this experience. I'm going to willingly throw myself into the arms of God and encounter His love. And... God powerfully shows up when you do that. You know, we're not supposed to tempt God. We're not supposed to challenge God. But when you come with faith like that before him and you say, God, I'm coming to you. Prove to me. Show me that you are real. Show me that you exist. Show me that I can't do it without you. And when you say those words and when you internalize that yourself without anybody else around, you know, um, quietly in prayer before him, that's what happens. He shows up, the Holy Spirit reveals himself and and then reveals the other two people of the Trinity to you. And for me, uh, that encounter in high school really sparked me to live my faith, um, outwardly. Um, sometimes a little bit crazy. You know, I was a little odd at times. I mean, I was, you know, wearing, you know, the, the big crucifixes around the high school for a period of time. I was doing different things very outwardly and publicly, and I made some mistakes in there too. Um, but the, but I knew who loved me and he covered those mistakes and he covered those, um, you know things, so so yeah. That's how I really became into owning and knowing my faith, uh, and it happened when I was in high school.
1: Let me comment on uh, what you had shared uh, in high school. Uh, someone who has not shared in the graces of the sacraments would have been met with challenges way different than yours. You were challenged with things within your faith. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Think about the person who doesn't have the graces instilled, what the challenges are that they face. Both you and I know many people that had way different challenges than you. So uh, your moral compass brought you to challenges that you were deciphering in your faith. That's a beautiful thing you shared. Um, for those who have been listening and along, they've heard me say more than a few times that most of our answers in life are simple ones and that we in our humanity, confuse them, well, in owning my faith. I came to simple answers in taking my first steps by understanding the new covenant and the sacraments and all of the truths that they share. And unfortunately, um, it came from me later on. I was uh, unintentional for a long time. I was in a gathering stage. We spoke about that in the past, Um, you know, when we're young men and we're trying to build a family where, you know, I I shared that I could build a car, a house. I didn't realize I was building a family because I was in the gathering stage. But uh, for me, I came into these truths in my 40s after understanding what I call the foundation of faith. what We just mentioned, you know, the sacraments. The new covenant teachings and all of the graces that are instilled in my first steps, I started to consider my place in leading my family in a reflection of God's will for his children. I applied the tools of the heart, humility, as I began to use the powerful tool of self-examination. This is the takeaway, hopefully, that will stick with the listener and the reader. Uh, self-examination is um, the way we grow in all of, it, it, just the way we grow as people. A tool that I wish I had learned uh, how to use sooner in life. A tool I strongly recommend getting used to handling. Um, uh, so uh, self-examination is how we grow in humility as children of God. This tool comes at great cost. And with much challenge, you know, owning this tool, there's a lot of adjustments made to the tool. Uh, it's, it's a complicated tool that we own, the tool of the heart. Um, uh, you know, it needs a lot of uh, cleaning and there's a lot involved in owning the tool of self-examination. Uh, Humility is very much needed to to be able to reach within ourselves truthfully without making excuses for our actions within self-examination. You know, um, can you end on self-examination within your own experience, Bill?
0: Yeah, I think it's something that uh, recently I have been thrust into and. When you when you look at self-examination sometimes it's the wake-up call from other people that help you examine your your life. Um, I've had some different experiences recently as a young adult that I don't necessarily want to get into on the podcast uh, right now, but I but it, it was pointed out uh, that I needed to examine myself through through those experiences um some traumatic and negative ones that that were um you know causing great pain in my life um i was able to realize that what i needed to do was enter myself and as i enter myself to think about that um sometimes we're led into uh, scary and dark places in our in our subconscious, in our in our thoughts. But um, by by going there, by, by self examination, by 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 looking at it, we end up freeing ourselves from that. And you know, the church really has built this up, Ray, through uh, the years, and they've encouraged it. And you know, for a long time, I didn't pay attention to it. Um, you know, I would, I would read through an examination of conscience, uh, preparing for reconciliation or something like that on my phone or whatever. I'd look at it real quick and I go, okay, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this boom and put it away. Um, and, and go into the confessional and say, father, I did this, I did this, I did this, but I think self-examination goes a little deeper in really reflecting on your life and seeing, okay, what, what mistakes, what um, joys, what things have I encountered even on a daily basis? And then how is that going to change me for tomorrow? How is that going to, how am I, with the Holy Spirit's help, with the grace of God, how am I going to approach tomorrow differently than I did today? And that fosters into the growth of the spirituality, that fosters into the, um, the the grace that God hands us to live each and every day um, freshly and new, right? So, so like young people out there listening to this, I really encourage you to enter into your thoughts. You know, uh, there's some really great examinations uh, through Ignatius, uh, Saint Saint Ignatius of Loyola. There's also uh, some really great resources out there. Um, One of them is. Uh, from one of my spiritual directors, uh, Father Michael Sparrow, and Father Michael has an amazing, uh, like a podcasted version uh, that's on, like on your phone. You can listen to it and you can pray it. and You can go through it, uh, you know, with a nice meditative background music in there, so that you can do that. And, and all you have to do is kind of Google those resources or you know whatever um, to to find them. But I I really encourage you to. Enter into and reflect on those things that are bothering you, or that have happened to you over the course of your day, uh, your month, even the past years of your life. And and by reflecting on that and thinking about that, uh, it leads you to greater freedom in in Jesus Christ. It leads you to uh, reconciliation. It leads you to greater leadership. And, um, and holiness, which leads you to heaven and then also leads you to become the leader of your family in your parishes. But you've got to start with yourself. You've got to start with yourself. If you don't start with yourself, then you know, you're not going to be
1: able to make that difference and grow spiritually. You know, I'd like to touch back on something you had just mentioned, Bill. You shared a spiritual leader. Um, You know, this book is all about before we can read, we must first follow. And that's in our lives. But what about in our faith? You you know, as I said many times, I'm 52. A lot of the things that I'm coming into awareness within our faith, I didn't even know that were uh, available to us. How does one... Go about uh, finding a spiritual leader. Maybe there's young men, or even you know, men my age out there that feel as though they need some help to navigate the the way. And especially in the same principle applied as to the book, uh, this is a great awareness that you're sharing about spiritual leader. It's someone, you know, someone to follow. How does how can someone go about finding a spiritual Leader.
0: So, I mean, there's some really practical ways, Ray, that you can go about doing it. Um, But again, I I think it's really connected into the self examination part. You really need to examine yourself. And then what's going to end up happening as you examine yourself, and there are, we all have wounds, we all have, um,